podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Uh, today I'm here with uh, Jim Johnson. Hello all. Hey Jim. And uh, we're going to talk about the uh, Earhart Perkins uh, system. We're going to discuss some of the quarterbacks that Miami has been projected to have interest in. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, McKenzie joining the uh, front office and uh We'll talk about everybody's perception regarding uh, coaching, uh, misusing players. Uh, Jim, why don't you go ahead and get us uh, started off on the Earhart Perkins uh, system? Sure thing, Mike. I, uh, Mike and I were reading an article from a few years back, and it laid it out pretty well. And it's, it talks about this Earhart Perkins offensive system uh, being one of three primary offenses that they that they run in football, and uh, the other is the West Coast offense that Bill Walsh, Walsh made so popular, and then is the other is the Coriel system. Um, and of course, this article was kind of focused on what the Patriots have been doing for years and years with this Earhart Perkins system, and of course, Belichick and company have made it their own and and tweaked it to their to their people and all but it it simplifies what the offenses do on a regular basis i mean this is the nfl uh a lot of the offenses kind of look very similar and you see similar formations sim- similar lineups with slight variations here and there uh, it's not the college game where you've got some silly plays and some stuff you don't normally see. Uh, offensive coordinators and coaches are often in, in close games or uh, conservative formats, and they don't really want to risk an, an iffy play. But you look at this system, and it's it's designed to have a lot of options from basic principles. Uh it gives your quarterback and your and your player personnel options from similar formations and everything goes through the quarterback uh... you can use similar personnel you can sub guys in and out you can really tweak it however you like the thing is you know the defense sees certain lineups and they think oh it's this or that uh... with each play you the quarterback has you know different different options that he can do it's a it's a read at the line and and if the defense looks like this the quarterback has an idea of what receiver may be open uh, or whatever his best chances are it sounds really simple and it really is if you have the quarterback that can make those reads and and make the plays as needed but reading the article it's it's it breaks it down into simplest forms, and when you look at it that way, it kind of clarifies it in your mind, uh, especially watching the Patriots over the last decade or so, exactly why they do what they do. It gives them options, and they've got a quarterback that can ex- execute those plays. So, you know, you, you've got a, a basic tree, play-calling tree, where you've got, you know, 
basic patterns that the that the receivers run or the backs run. Uh, but you can do those same patterns with different player personnel and alignments. So what looks like Exhibit A ends up being the same play that they just ran, uh, but the players are, have moved on the chessboard a little bit, and that can put people out of position on the defense, and lo and behold, what do you know, first down. So it was really interesting to read that article where it's not so much the spread West Coast thing and, uh, you know, you go long and everything is dedicated to a specific route or, you know, in the Coriel system, they use a, a route tree where it's players know what they're supposed to do by a certain number call out. Uh, but if the defense is ready for that, then that call out kind of dead ends. So I can see where this system works very well, but it's also a matter of execution and if you know players don't execute it's the same old same old somebody didn't do their job so you know as far if you can execute these these plays i can see where it would be very frustrating for a defense to to think they know what's coming and it's just enough different that somebody drops the ball and it's a it's a successful play and one of the things that makes it easier uh, for the team, uh, and not necessarily the quarterback, but the team itself, is uh, what a lot of teams do is they'll have a receiver alter his pattern depending on what the defender is doing. Uh, in this system, you ignore that. You run your pattern, whatever it's supposed to be, and you just run it against whatever defense that you're facing. It's up to the quarterback to decide where the ball needs to go. And uh, that's one of the main differences between that and a typical uh, older offensive system. In the older offensive systems, you know, you had a primary receiver. Well, in this one, you really don't. The quarterback determines the primary receiver based on the defensive look that he's getting. Yeah, and you can see that uh, that would eliminate some of those plays where the, the quarterback throws the ball to the inside shoulder and the receiver turned the opposite way and they exactly. both they both look at each other like what the hell's going on uh, you know if if you're changing a typical route and everybody isn't on the same page I mean it's it's destined for failure uh, if you're running the same route and you get back to the huddle and you say hey you know Tom or Tanny or whoever, you know, this guy is always on my inside. I'm going to break out this time. It'll be easy. Well, you know, that, that quarterback is kind of, you know, he's he, he's been ingrained to do this a certain way, to this certain place the whole time. When you start changing things up, man, it's it's easy for mistakes to happen. And those pesky interceptions and things. Well, I mean, I think it's a big reason why uh, Tom throws so few. Uh <laughs> There, there's no excuse for them, really. I mean, you know, if you're accurate with the football, there, there's no reason to be throwing interceptions because the quarterback and the receiver should be on the same page almost always. Uh, you know, unless he falls down or something unforeseen, you know. Yeah, ball goes through the receiver's hands or something. Right, and, and you know, bounces into a defender or whatever. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they implement it. But, you know, the, the key with this system, just like any system, is but even more so in this type of a system, and the reason Brady can run it so well is because it is quarterback dependent. You've got to have an intelligent quarterback who can make the right decisions pre-snap and uh, get the ball where it needs to go uh, post-snap. So 
you have to have an intelligent quarterback. He's got to be a guy who makes good decisions and uh, can deliver an accurate football. And, uh, you know, obviously perform in the clutch, which is something we've had a problem with here in Miami. Yeah, agreed. And you mentioned, you know, you got to have an intelligent quarterback and all, and intelligent players across the board. You know, we've been knocking Tannehill for a few years now uh, because he fails to read defenses and such. And Tannehill is a very intelligent guy. He's a very educated, smart man. Yeah, he's, a, he's a, almost a doctor. I mean, yes. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not a dumb man, not at all. No, not but, at all. But, but he doesn't have football smarts. He, There's a big difference. Well, the main thing is is the instincts. And you if if you get back behind center and you have to think about it, you're all done. You, there is no there is no thought process. Uh, you've got to see you've got to see what you see and make a decision. You can't analyze data. You can't. Well, maybe the linebacker is going to do this and and maybe this or that. And I think that's what he he does back there is he's trying to go through too many options and next thing you know he's on his back. So. Uh, you know, there's there's a certain amount of read and recognition and reaction that has to take place in just about one second flat. Most plays are two and a half to three and a half seconds long. So, uh, you know, it, you can't be thinking back. You got to be quick. You got to be decisive, and you got to be accurate. Uh, simple as that. So you you heard they signed a couple of people this week. Uh, they signed uh, Tank Carradine and. Uh, uh, Jamal uh, Wiltz. I did uh, hear that. Yes. Uh, Carradine uh, is a defensive end. Uh, right. Better better known to be a run stuffer than uh, than a pass rusher. And uh, Jamil Wiltz was on the uh, Patriots practice squad uh, uh, for I guess a little over a year, and uh, I think believe he runs a four four forty. Uh, he's got. He looks like somebody with a little bit of potential. I'm not sure how much they'll get out of Carradine or, or what their plans are for him, uh, but we know they're going to make a lot of t- changes on the defensive end position, so they they must have some idea. Yeah, I think they're going to bring in a lot of bodies here in the mm-hmm. off season, and you know they they've got to implement you know probably a brand new system both sides of the ball. I mean, if you look at our team. If you take the the sentimental aspect out of it, we don't have a lot to work with. We really don't. And, you know, now is the time to implement a new system because you don't have a a huge amount of deep talent in a a certain 3-4 defensive alignment or a certain West Coast offense. Uh, So now is the time to make those wholesale changes. So... You know, we're going to continue to poach players off the, you know, the Patriot practice staff, most likely. Uh, We've got a lot of Patriot coaches now. Um, So they're going to see some young guys that are probably hungry to play football and uh, give them a shot and and see what happens. Well, you know, when uh, Gase got here, he was pulling uh, players that he knew, you know, from Denver and Chicago and... Uh, the previous coaches did the same thing. Philbin was grabbing his guys from uh, uh, Green Bay, and uh, Sperano was taking them from Dallas. And it's you know it's the same old, same old. Uh, they're always going to flock to the people that they know. 
Yeah, um, familiarity builds builds trust. I get all of that, but yeah, the, the upside is at least at least the Patriots are is a is a winning franchise at this point. Well, kind of gives me a little more hope for uh, potential improvement. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, you hope so because uh, <laughs> they've brought enough of them in. You, yeah, you gotta, you exactly. gotta hope. They gotta hope they can. Yeah. At least bring some stability to the franchise. Whether or not they win championships remains to be seen. But you know, you'd like to see the organization respected again, and and that that to me should be the first goal. And then you worry about the championships after that. Yeah, build a foundation. Go from there. Yep. yep. Just get get us winning and get us competing every Sunday, and uh, you know, get to a season where you don't see five blowouts in a season. You know. <laughs> Just get competitive, and uh, then you go from there. It, it just seems to me to be the way to go about doing it, you know. And I agree with what you said about uh, this is the time. I mean, there really are not a lot of blue-chip players on this roster, so there's not a lot worth saving. Uh, that They need to do what they need to do. Speaking of which, uh, there's a lot of talk about... Uh, them drafting Murray or, or bringing in Brissett, uh, uh the quarterback, or maybe making a trade for Rosen or pulling in Kaepernick. And, and people are taking the cart ahead of the horse, I think, a little bit. Uh, I still think it's to their benefit to build the Lions first and, and then worry about getting your quarterback uh, in the following draft. Uh, now, that's not to say I'm against them drafting a quarterback. Uh, for development or as a backup uh, or just to get through the season. But I, I think that uh, your franchise quarterback needs to be taken the following year and not this year. I don't think you're ready for him. And uh, you don't want to put a young kid behind an offensive line that's going to not be very good. And if you're going to have rookies starting on it, it's not going to be very good. Uh, it normally takes them a little time to get up to speed. You all know they're not up to speed now. So either way, they're not going to be up to speed. So unless they decide to go out and sign a bunch of expensive free agents, which I don't think anybody thinks they're going to do. Uh, so uh, if all that is true, then there's no reason to go and draft a quarterback this year, in my opinion. Uh, not to be your franchise quarterback anyway. Jim? Yeah. Are you with me? I I am with you on that. I've I've been kind of swallowing the fact that we're not going to be a very good team next year. Uh, it's not a nice pill to swallow, but we've been mediocre for so long now. Man, it's I, I we need a new a new plan, a new a new direction. And if this coaching staff can do that, uh, you know, I'm willing to be actually bad for a year or so. Uh, it's not something that anybody wants to do as a fan. You want your team to play well and win games and go to the playoffs and all that jazz. But looking at our roster, you know, and seriously analyzing it, you know, we're not going to plug in two or three people or two or three free agents and all of a sudden be competitive. So if we were to bring in, you know, Keenum or Bridgewater or... Uh, you know, any of the other stopgap quarterbacks, you know, Tyrod Taylor's been talked about, you know, is, is you know, sign cap, sign cap, all of this jazz. Um, that's, that's not going to accomplish anything to me. Uh, 
you know, if, you know, or say we, draw, we, we were to get Murray at number 13 in the draft, while it would add some excitement, but what are you going to do with him? Are you going to plug him in the, the first the first game of the season and see if he survives? Uh, the way it's looking right now, we're going to have, you know, some rookies on the offensive line, and we might lose Juwan James, our right tackle, to free agency. Um, so now you're going to be adding another rookie at tackle or uh, some sort of low-budget free agent so either way, there's going to be some bleeding through the offensive line. And now Murray excels at his, you know, flamboyant play back there. But, you know, he's not a big guy, which I can live with. But if he's going to be running around taking hits back there, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my number three number one pick, number 13, or trade up, or whatever to get him, I'm not going to go there and then put him at risk that first year. So he's going to be sitting the bench the first year. So you've basically wasted one of the cheap years for your, for your franchise quarterback. So it accelerates the whole process if you, if you pick him in the number 13. So I'm going to ignore the quarterback position a little bit this year. Whether we start somebody that's on the roster or we bring in Tyrod Taylor for a year or two on the low end, uh, and and fortify those lines. You know, you can pick a top defensive talent more than likely at number thirteen, or you know maybe an offensive lineman, or you can trade down and and get a, you know, the twenty eighth pick and add a a second rounder or something. So I think that's smarter in the long run right now is to hold off. On the yeah, quarterback. I'm, I'm kind of a proponent of trading down as well. Yeah, that would be. That, I mean, unless unless an elite talent falls to you at 13, I'm, exactly. I'm I'm trading down, no question. But generally speaking, you don't get too many elite talents at 13. I mean, we did get Tunsil that year due to circumstances that are unusual. But uh, generally speaking, it it right. you know right. it doesn't doesn't happen doesn't. Uh, and this year, this year, so many, you know, this past year, so many quarterbacks went early that that allowed Fitzpatrick to, to fall to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year, there's what, maybe two quarterbacks that might go before number 13. So, you know, there's not going to be a big run on quarterbacks. Right, right. So they brought in uh, McKenzie. What'd you think of that? Well,. I'm kind of on the fence about McKenzie. Uh, he's he's kind of cut from the same cloth that a lot of the other coaches they've brought in, uh, where he's a personnel guy. Uh, the downside to that is he hasn't been a very good personnel guy. He's had moderate success he's drafting. Had mixed results, yes. Exactly, exactly. I think he's only had one winning season in seven years, and that was when they went 12-4. and four. Uh, with Derek Carr having his having a great year, but other than that, they had losing efforts and some some bad drafts. Uh, he did he did draft uh, Khalil Mack, which was uh, you know we all knew what he's doing in the NFL. Uh, but I don't think his job is going to have much of an effect on the decision making process. Uh, of the coaches. I think he's going to be a sounding board and uh, another opinion to, 
you know, maybe enlighten somebody to something that they hadn't seen in a player or, or a decision. So That's kind of what I think. I, I just think he's going to be an advisor to Greer. I don't think he's going to be making, uh, you know, uh, draft decisions. Ultimately, that's going to be Greer. Yeah. Uh, but he's just another voice in the room. Yeah, he does have quite a lot of NFL experience. Um, so, you know, he does know a lot of people, and I think that may be what Flores was looking for is some experienced guys that, that he can use for a sounding board. Yeah. Now, one of my pet peeves, okay, is, and, and you hear this a lot, a lot, much more than you should. The coaches misuse players. They don't know how to use players. And I think a lot of that is is based on uh, people watching this past season and then seeing that maybe Drake wasn't involved, involved as they thought he should be or uh, uh, maybe there was too much movement in the secondary, you know, moving players around and what they thought. Uh, maybe they thought Jones should be up in the box like he normally is, whatever the case. Generally speaking, the coaches know what they're doing. Uh, the coaches know why they're doing what they're doing. And for you to sit at home and say they're misusing the players when you don't even know what defense you know they're playing against, it's really hard. It's really hard to make that assumption. Um, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you're going to look at Miami's roster after Grant and Wilson go down. And you're going to say, there's one guy we got to stop, and that's Drake. So if he's in the game, they're going to be keying on him. Uh, uh, Devontae Parker's not a threat. Uh, Kenny Stills might be a threat, but the quarterback can't get him the ball. You know, so who are you going to key on? You're going to key on Drake. Uh, the tight end's not doing anything. So I don't think it was that they were misusing Drake. I think that the circumstances took Drake out of the game. Um, and even so, he, he was the, the uh, second uh, most targeted receiver on the team. Uh, so you have to take that into consideration as well. They just did not run a lot of plays uh, because they did not do well on third down. Uh, so anyway, I sit back and I listen to this, and so many people say it. So many people you know, say they don't know how to use the players. They don't know how to use the players. I think it's more complicated than that. That's all I'm really trying to say. I think you you really have to look at the game uh, in a in a different perspective. Uh, what you need to do is you need to say, well, why isn't Drake getting the ball? And you need to figure out the answer. You know, uh, and and the only way to do that is to really look at the uh, coaching film and see what the defense is doing to take Drake away, uh, and then you can come to a better uh, uh, conclusion as to why the coaches aren't going there. Uh, you know, because a lot of times it's not that they're not wanting to go there, it's that the chance isn't there to go there. And uh, uh, so they go somewhere else. They throw the wide receiver screen or they throw something that you probably hate because that's what's there. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a chess match, uh, the offensive coordinator versus the defensive coordinator. And when you're dealing with a team that isn't very talented, the coaches are going to look pretty stupid at the end of the day. And it's not that they're stupid. It's that they don't have the tools to get done what you'd like to see done. What are your thoughts, Jim? Well, I've got to raise my hand on this one and say I'm guilty of 
saying a lot of what you just said. That we that, all do. That, we all do. Uh, well, you know, when you watch a game live, everything is bang bang, and you see players used, you know, in a way that you you go, what in the wide world of sports is that guy doing? Why do they have him doing that in, in that assignment? Uh-huh. And you know, you kind of forget about it, or you post on Facebook about ah, the coach is a moron, blah blah blah. But you know, when it, you go back and look at film, and a lot oftentimes we forget which particular play that we that uh, so annoyed us. And then when you're going back and you're watching film, and that and that play comes up, and you go, oh yeah, I got to check this out, and you see that. You know, the tight end or the other wide receiver missed his block uh-huh. uh, for that pass to Drake or that or that run and play to that side. Well, if somebody misses their block, the defense looks really good uh, when it was a simple assignment that somebody didn't do, uh, you know. Right. When it, if it was executed, it probably would have been a 12-yard gain. Exactly. Instead, it's a three-yard loss. Exactly. And, you know, you mentioned Drake getting a lot of targets. Well, he did, but, you know, most of them were behind the line of scrimmage Yep. Uh, because he was the check-down guy because Stills couldn't get open or, or Parker was on the field and it, he wasn't effective. And, you know, we brought in Mike Gazeki and that was a... a a big bone of contention for people because everybody said, what are you doing having him block? You know he can't block, blah, blah, blah. Well, one of our weaknesses was the offensive line. So you can't have it both ways. You know, if you're going to send everybody out for the pass... Uh, somebody's got to block. <laughs> somebody's got to block. And, you know, you know Wilson and, and Grant, uh, when they went down, you mentioned that earlier... Uh, now you've only got one home run guy left on the team, and that was Drake, like you said. And you, you know, you just take him away, and you know, give Gore his few carries and some success. But you know, he's you know he's not scoring five touchdowns a game, so you can usually control it. Right, the defense is going to let Gore get us four yards a yeah. carry because they figure by the time you get down the field, you're going to screw something up. Somebody's going to hold somebody, and yeah. it's going to be third yeah. and fifteen, and we're going to get the ball back. Right. <laughs> Right. And, you know, we look at our defense, and, and we've all been complaining about Kiko Alonso and his coverage skills. Uh, you know, he's, like it or not, he's he was one of our better linebackers. And if you take him off the field, who are you going to plug in? It's not that simple a solution, or else they would have done it more. And well, that's it. They didn't have the depth to do it, but I wouldn't say he was one of our better linebackers. I don't well, know better linebackers in the run game. How's that? How's that? Okay. But yeah, uh, I can go with that. You know, you know, it was just painful to watch him in coverage. And, you know, some plays obviously don't go as planned, and, and guys will be put in less than perfect conditions, but... It's not a perfect game, and if something goes haywire, uh, guys have to have to step up and and do what they need to do. And you know, it's not all peaches and cream all the time. Yeah, you know, and look, we need talent. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're talking offense or you're talking defense. I mean, they were what 30th in offense and 31st in defense. Uh, you know, you're not going to win a whole lot of games that way. They were lucky to win what they did. Yeah, we uh, we were outscored by like a whole mess of points. Uh, usually teams that are 500 are are usually close to close yep. to 50-50 on the on the scoring to points allowed and we allowed like uh, some ridiculous number like 
80 more points than we than we scored, yet we we still won quite a few games. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes, especially when you get to have a lot of blowouts against you. You know, we didn't blow anybody out, but we had a lot of blowouts against us. Right. Uh, so that that kind of hurts that point differential, but. Uh, it's not a good team, and they, they do need to do what they're doing. Uh, they, they do need to start over. Uh, I think it's great that they're doing what they're doing. I know a lot of people you know don't want don't want to understand the concept. Uh, they don't want to uh, envision their team losing on purpose when that's not really what they're doing, but that's how they see it. Um, you know, I, I get it, and it, it, it's what they should be doing. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a defensive line. You're not going to win without those things. Uh, and then you've got all the other needs aside from that. So uh, it's a time. Uh, they've never been this bad. Uh, this team has never been this bad. Never. That, that I've watched it, and I've watched it since 1971. Uh, we've never had a team as bad as this one. We had a team that went 1-15, but even they were not as bad as this team, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, when you're statistically at the bottom of the league in just about every category, you know, it's you look at those statistics and then our win and loss record and it's it's really crazy that we won as many games as we did. Yep. All right. So, have you got anything else tonight? Ah, it's pretty quiet out there in Dolphin really Land. It is. Uh, really is. You know, Calm we, before the storm. Yeah, we haven't, you know, the the league year starts here in a week or so and then uh, player contracts. Well, actually, no, there's a little while before it starts. Well, it's uh, was March, March 12th or something? March 13th, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's when things can actually, you know, actual news uh, will start to flow about, you know, Quinn and and Cameron Wake and players that we're worried about uh, getting cut or staying. You know, that kind of news will be coming here in a couple of weeks. But uh, it's still going to be a process. Uh but yeah, it's been very quiet. I think uh, everybody's kind of waiting to see how things are going to level out here, and they're still digest digesting all of these uh, all of these new coaches, trying to figure out what the what the new plan's going to be. Well, I think what they're doing right now is they're just going over tape and trying to see what they have and what they think they can use, and uh, uh, they'll make their recommendations to the you know personnel side, and uh, they'll they'll do what they need to right. do. I mean, uh, you know, if they feel like they can use Branch, then maybe they'll keep Branch around. But uh, these guys with the higher cap numbers have to be uh, concerned they're going to be elsewhere. Yeah, it's a bit painful to think about Juwan James and Xavier Howard. You know, they'll both, you know, be, you know, $10 million and $15 million or something. And I find it a, a pretty big stretch for the current team and the new coaches to want to extend those bigger contracts to those two players. Uh, yeah, tough decisions. Yes, it's not, not easy decisions to make for sure. I mean, I can see them doing it for Tunsil because normally your right tackles can play a decade, if not longer. Uh, so I can see that with him. Uh, how long do cornerbacks play? True. And that's really what they have to ask themselves, you know. How long do they anticipate before they're ready to really compete? Right. And how much longer will they get out of Howard at that point? And is it worth exactly. it? Exactly. And that's what they have to figure out. I can't answer yeah. that. You know? Yeah, considering he's already had some knee problems, uh, you know, yeah. you know, his, his, uh, his hourglass is, is ticking faster than some, I think. 
Uh-huh. We'll see. We'll That's see. It. You know, corners are tough to find. No so, doubt. I mean, you can you can argue this either way. No doubt. Uh, you can argue it either way. Uh, and then you got guys like Rebus who seem to have played forever. I you know. know. Uh, I know. You know. You look so, at Akeeb Tlaib, he's still playing at a high level, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, 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 uh, good yeah. one. Uh, he, he has. How long has he been around? Boy, he's been along the, around the league a lot longer than most think. He was with yeah, the Patriots yeah. and... You know Denver, and he's he's been a top yeah. corner for a long time. Yeah, so some of them can do it. You know, I don't know. It, it just depends on when you lose your speed, you True. know, and your agility. But uh, some guys can do it. Most of them can't. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. We appreciate everybody listening, and, and Jim, thanks for joining me tonight. Um, we ask you guys to do uh, please like the uh, podcast, uh, share the podcast uh we'd also like you to comment on the podcast and subscribe to the podcast and and we'd appreciate you guys doing all that um we'll be back next week hopefully uh daniel will be back with us he needed the night off tonight and uh we'll look forward to talking to y'all then sounds great thanks everybody for listening in and like mike said please like download share the heck out of this podcast and let's get it grown up Hey, Jim, fins up. Fins up. Fins up.